Hey guys, it's Simon. This is Brussling Unlimited as we are here on the 30th of July, 2022 to talk about SummerSlam. This show was great for the most part. No show can be 100% perfect or anything. Every show's got its hiccups and whatnot, but this show was awesome. I loved SummerSlam. I loved the opening match and what happened after it. I absolutely just lost my shit during the main event. Match of the year, no one can convince me otherwise. I'm going to say right now, match of the year, Roman Brock, no one can convince me otherwise. Don't, don't even try. Don't even try. Match of the year. But so much happened on this show. I would say it was somewhat newsworthy to a point with a couple of things, if I'm trying to remember correctly. But again, great show. Always love the outdoor stadium feel when it starts with still sunlight and then transitioned in, in transitions into the dark. I again always love that. But got a lot to talk about. And if you are watching live, then I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. If you're watching or listening later, then thank you for doing so, whether that is youtube.com forward slash processing unlimited, or if that is on podcast services all around the globe, like Stitcher. Spotify, Anchor, Google Pod, Apple Pod, iHeartRadio, and so much more. If you're watching live on YouTube or live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime with anybody's. Amazon Prime, if we're going to be completely honest. Because remember, all you got to do is you take that Amazon Prime account, you take that Twitch account, you link them together, with a bing, bada, boom, you're Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff of four games, and they always give you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did so right here. Pro Wrestling Unlimited. But remember, it doesn't just have to be your Amazon Prime account, it can be anybody's, whether that's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa, your auntie, your uncle, anybody, anybody, anybody. Anybody. But if you are watching on YouTube, you can help us out over there as well by hitting that join button down below to become a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access to podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. Also, remember, you can get all of that, but in a more concise area and more directly supporting us by heading over to patreon.com forward slash PWUnlimited. And finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store. Buy something. Whether that is a new game, whether that is an old game, whether you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fall Guys, Fortnite. Because remember... John Cena's in Fortnite. Xavier Woods, Oscar, and The Undertaker are in Fall Guys. And there's also a John Cena and a Roman Reigns uh, car wrap for Rocket League. You'll use the code PWUnlimited at checkout. PWUnlimited at checkout to support us. Doesn't cost you anything extra. Doesn't cost you anything extra. But with that, we've got SummerSlam to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, as this show was a banger for the most part. 
So the show kicks off with the Raw Women's Championship match. Bianca Belair defending against Becky Lynch in a roughly 15 to 15 and a half minute match. Now, I don't know for sure, but I think there is a slight possibility Becky could have been injured in this match. Like, the first thing they do, Belair goes for a glam slam. And Becky lands hard on her shoulder and is favoring the shoulder the entire match through. And even after the match, she's like this, walking around, can't move the arm or not moving the arm. So I don't know per se if she's hurt, but it came off that way. Unless Becky's just a great, 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 great seller. I then kudos. But a lot of times the way she was favoring that shoulder, I do feel like they're, could have been hurt there, but I'm not saying for sure because I don't know. But uh, Bianca hits the glam slam, standing moonsault, and gets a two very early on. Belair tried. Belair tried giving Lynch a KOD on the barricade, but Lynch landed on her feet, yanked Belair into the barricade, and hit her with a leg drop onto onto it. Lynch hit a leg drop on Belair who was draped over the ropes, but Belair countered a second attempt with the powerbomb. Belair hit another glam slam, this time onto the edge of the ring. Belair, no Lynch, tried to use Belair's braid, but Belair yanked her into the ring post, and with it, hit a vertical suplex on the outside. Belair then followed this up with a moonsault for a two. Lynch tried a crossbody, but Belair caught her. Couldn't follow up because, well, her arm hurt. They traded counters at one point until Belair hit what was basically a flapjack. Lynch tried to lock on the disarmor, but Belair rolled to the outside while holding on to Lynch. Belair then gave Lynch a KOD on the outside, but couldn't pull her into the ring. Belair didn't want to win by countout, but seemed to think it was inevitable. However, Lynch just barely beat the 10 to get back into the ring. Oh, there's something in my eye. Uh, they battled on the top rope for a little while until Lynch yanked Belair down with her braid and hit a manhandle slam for a very, very close near fall. Lynch for, uh, went for a manhandle slam off the middle rope, but Belair countered into a Spanish fly. She followed it up immediately with an, a just tremendous KOD. She freaking planted Becky face first. Pinned her one, two, three. Bianca Belair retains the title. And here's what's significant about this. For everyone that says, Oh, WWE, don't do long-term storybooking. Oh my God, there's something in my eye. But for people to say WWE doesn't do long-term stories, this is a year-long story, ladies and gentlemen. Becky and Bianca was a year-long story that culminated in the only way it could have. Becky won last year. Bianca won this year. You could say, well, Bianca already got her revenge. No. She needed that revenge at SummerSlam. So Bianca's celebrating in the ring. And Becky comes in and extends her hand for a handshake, and then the two actually hug. Bianca continues to celebrate when the music of Bailey would hit in Nissan Stadium. Crowd went berserk. Bailey 
made her way down to the ring with a cocky grin and a swagger to her. She got almost down to the ring when all of a sudden we hear a familiar tune. I said, oh my God, I've heard this music. Who is it? We see on the screen up on the, the little jumbotron they had, Dakota Kai. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, hum, the what? And Corey Graves even freaked out and goes, wait, I didn't even think she was under contract here anymore. This was super cool. Dakota Kai comes down and stands arm in arm with Bailey. But they weren't done there. Io Shirai would then come out and make her way down to Bailey and Kai. Now, the interesting thing here is the entire time, Corey Graves keeps saying, Io Sky, Io Sky, Io Sky. Well, Corey wasn't just dumb. Corey wasn't just not knowing her name. No, she actually changed her name. She is now EO Sky, and I can show you guys right here. Go to WWE's website. Find EO Sky. Here, EO Superstars. Bum, 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 bum. Come on, WWE's website is a little finicky sometimes because the way it loads. Let's pull this up here. There we go, guys. It is official. EO Sky. I-Y-O-S-K-Y. I don't know why they have done the name change, but they've done the name change. It is official. She is EO Sky. So Bailey, Kai, and Sky enter into the ring together and get into the face, basically, of Bianca Belair. Lynch would then jump in the ring and stand arm-in-arm arm with Bianca Belair, basically backing off the new trio. So I guess Bailey, Dakota, and Io are now a group. They're a, I would say, heel faction on Raw. That's what it seems like. They are a... Heel faction on Raw. Cool. It's something different for Bailey. Bailey's now got a group behind her, and we'll see where this all does lead to. But really cool, really really cool to see Bailey back after being gone for a year. Dakota Kai back with the company. That's a weird one because April 29th is when they released Dakota Kai. The rumor was that Dakota Kai was released because she was not keeping it a secret that she didn't want to re-sign with the company. Now, I would understand before why she wouldn't want to re-sign. They gave her multiple looks for the main roster, and they told her, eh, you're not what we want for the main roster. You're going to stay in NXT. So if she's going to be relegated to NXT and never get moved up, yeah, why not leave? Why not make it known when my contract's up, I'm gone? And so, before her contract is up, they let her go. But she's back. And she's back on the main roster. Has to be a Triple H move. I mean, it, it just has to be. I heard a rumor yesterday. A source told me, uh, Dakota coming back? And I didn't believe it. I'm like, no, no. But I was told yesterday, Dakota coming back. Kind of not 100% with confidence. 
because I'm like, are, are you 100% sure on this? And they're like, eh, 85.90. But an 85.90 from one person is not enough for me to report anything. That's why I just didn't say anything because I was almost just like, eh. They never, they didn't say SummerSlam though. I was just told EO or Dakota coming back. Also, interestingly enough, Dakota was live from her house on Twitch last night. So that could have th that threw a lot of people off if anyone was trying to rumors, rumors, rumors. But there wasn't any rumors. Like, there was none. But crazy, Dakota Kai is back. EO Sky is on the main roster. And we'll see where this trio goes. Next up, we have The Miz and Logan Paul. The Miz, Ciampa, and Maurice all came down to the ring wearing matching neon green uh, gear with Ciampa and Miz wearing matching jackets. So apparently, I was told this match went long. Logan Paul and The Miz went 14 minutes and 20 seconds or so. I was told this match went long, and because of it, time was actually cut from the SmackDown Women's title match with Ronda and Liv. I wasn't told how much time. I was just told Miz and Logan went long. SmackDown Women's title match got time taken out. So I don't know what went long, why they went long, how they went long, but they went long. Match went long. Early on, Paul hit a springboard moonsault to the outside, but Miz took control with a code breaker off the ropes, and Ciampa helped out later by hitting Paul with a cheap shot. This code breaker off the ropes... I swear it had to knock the, the just complete wind out of Logan Paul. It was so stiff. Such a stiff code breaker right to Paul's guts and ribs. Paul did come back, though, with a blockbuster and a clothesline and a power slam for a two. Paul followed it up with the it kicks and a figure four. But Miz got to the ropes to break it. Paul then hit a high cross and a standing moonsault for a two. Logan Paul... He's got it all. I'm going to say right now, Logan Paul got it all. He's freaking great. So Ciampa tried to attack Paul, but the referee caught him and tossed him from ringside. Ciampa grabbed a chair and decided to sit down at ringside instead. The music of AJ Styles would then hit, and he flew in from the crowd to wipe out Ciampa. Styles attacked Ciampa through the crowd, and they fight, fought to the back. Paul hit Miz with a phenomenal forearm. Got a near fall off of it. It looked good. And Corey Graves literally said, quote, pretty good forearm. Paul cleared the announce table, climbed to the top rope as Maurice was screaming at him. Paul chucked his elbow pads right at her before hitting the Miz with a great looking frog splash from the ropes through the freaking table. Yes. Logan Paul did a Frog splash from the ropes, from the turnbuckle through the damn table. Like, holy schmoly. Paul then shoved Miz back into the ring and tried to cover, but Maurice distracted the referee. Miz tried to hit Paul with something, I'm not sure, but then Paul ducked and hit a skull-crushing finale to pin Miz and pick up the victory. So with that, Logan Paul defeats the Miz. I thought this match was really, really good. Again, they went long for some reason. I don't know, but they went long. And time had to be cut from the SmackDown Women's title match because of it. Also, there's a kid outside crying so loud. I hope you guys don't hear it. 
Um, also, after the match, announcers were asking if AJ Styles helped train Logan Paul. Presented a video package that talked about Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Now, if you have the highest tier of Peacock, you've got this Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns video package because everybody else that has the regular tier, the bottom tier of Peacock, they got a just normal commercial. But we got this to, what's the word I'm looking for? Cover commercials. Now, when I said that the SmackDown Women's title match got cut for time, I tweeted it out. Someone goes, well, if they needed to cut time, why didn't they cut time from those um, video packages? Well, there's two reasons. A, because the video packages that most people saw were covering commercials. And B, video packages can't just be edited on the fly to cut time from video packages. For example, if you have eight minutes you need to cut, but a 10-minute video package, you can't cut two minutes off that video package, then you're going to have two minutes you have to add back somewhere. Because of it, you can't really do that because you have matches already fully laid out where beat, 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 I got this much time, we're doing this, this, this. You add more to it, One, some wrestlers could get confused. Some wrestlers could get, oh, crap, we're supposed to add more to this match? Where, how, when, you know what I mean? So in the back, Pure Life was a sponsor of the show tonight. And so they did a Pure Life segment with Maximum Male Models. We had Mansay, Massey, Mansoa, Maxine Dupree, and Max Dupree. I'm like, okay, this is a little amusing. It was kind of corny, but this whole thing's pretty corny. The sun starts to go down. We get the U.S. title match. A-Town down. Austin Theory. Well, Theory makes his way into the ring. As Theory goes to climb the ropes to pose during his entrance, he drops the briefcase. He's got to climb down, grab the briefcase, and climb back up. Instead of A-Town down, it's briefcase down. Lashley then comes out and gets a great fireworks entrance as, well, the sun's gone down. Dark enough for fireworks. But before the match could even begin, before the bell could even ring, Theory attacks Lashley with a briefcase. The ref checked on Lashley before ringing the bell. Lashley said, I'm good to go, and there we go. And it didn't matter much because Lashley quickly came at him with a choke slam. Theory tried to leave less than two minutes into the match, but Lashley cut him off and chucked him twice into the barricade. Once so hard that it shoved the barricade back. Like, significantly. Theory came back with a rolling drop kick for a two, but Lashley responded with a flatliner. He traded fists before Lashley hit a running power slam. Theory leaped over a spear, and Lashley collided with the turnbuckle. Theory tried another rolling drop kick, but Lashley countered it perfectly by pressing Theory above his head. Lashley applied the hurt lock, and Theory tapped out immediately, like immediately, once the hurt lock was fully locked in. Crowd really liked Lashley, and they popped big for the win. Really cool to see there. Also, remember, guys, if you want to be part of the show, you can do so by texting or calling in to 510-906-1341. Remember, after we review the show, we'll be taking your text messages and your phone calls, 510-906-1341. Again, that's 510-906-1341. This up here really fast. 
Boom. Whoops. All right. Going forward, we have the notice qualification tag team match where I'm like, no DQ. But not much really happened, no DQ, other than Rhea got involved. I was expecting something like a chair or a kendo stick or a table. I was expecting something to justify this being no DQ, but it was just no DQ so Rhea Ripley can get involved. That was it. That was it. So correct me if I'm wrong, but did Corey Graves actually say that Finn Balor's 41 years old? Or was I making that up? I thought I heard him say something about that. I know he also said that, you know, Balor's a former Universal Champion, the first ever Universal Champion, and finally has reached his full potential. But I thought I heard him say something about him being 41 years old. Maybe I misheard that. So the crowd got into this as much as they could. Mysterio's at one point set up for a double 619. But Rhea Ripley tripped both of them. She also dropped Dominic face first with an electric chair drop onto the apron. As the Mysterios are down, Ray is laid out in the ring. Fowler then calls to Rhea and says, give me a chair, I need a chair. We hear weird music and the lights go out. A remix of the Broods theme then begins to play as we see stairs lit on fire. A ring at the top of the stairs lights on fire as well before Edge rises. From the stairs. Edge makes his way down the stairs. Down the ring. Or down to the ring. And starts fighting Damian Priest in the aisleway. Because Priest came after him. Edge would eventually. No I think it was Finn came after him. One of them. I didn't write it down. I just said someone came after Edge. (laughs) So. Edge spears both Priest and Balor. And the Mysterio. Before giving Balor a drop toe hold into the ropes, and the Mysterios give him a double 619. This was followed up by a springboard splash from Rey Mysterio that he barely got. Rey almost missed the springboard splash. Excuse me. And the Mysterios end up picking up the victory. So, interestingly enough, all the rumors and reports have been, Edge is coming back as the rated R superstar. Well, this wasn't rated R superstar. And if he's supposed to be, the new t-shirt should have said it. They got a new Edge shirt, but it doesn't say Rated R Superstar at all anywhere on it. So, yeah. I'm looking at the shirt right here. It's got like a devil on it. It's got a devil with some wings. No Rated R Superstar. But as we move forward, there's a moment when Graves told Cole, quote, I liked you better when you were not allowed to have an opinion. Which, of course, is a reference to Vince McMahon being gone. Cole responded by saying, quote, that's changed. A lot has changed. I saw somebody on Twitter with a quote saying, when did Michael Cole become 1997 Mike Tanay? And I'm like, yes, yes. What a great analogy for Michael Cole tonight. What a great analogy for how Michael Cole was in the, during this show. Corey Graves on commentary with Michael Cole here. And they say, well, Corey's got to be on here because, well, my normal partner, Pat, he's in the next match. And we get Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. The match goes 10 and a half minutes long. Corbin comes out first. 
And all of a sudden, there's a men's choir. And all we hear is, Bum ass Corbin. Bum ass Corbin. Bum ass Corbin. And then they start to sing Pat's theme song, which is basically a ripoff of Seven Nation Army, by the way. Stripes because they don't want to pay for Seven Nation Army. Corbin. Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. So the match starts off, and Corbin chucks McAfee into the now-repaired announce table. Cole yelled at Corbin. And Corbin shoves Michael Cole down into his chair. He's like, what are you doing? You don't need to touch me. And then he throws Pat McAfee back into the ring. Cole yells at Corbin a couple more times. Corbin walks over to Cole, doesn't do anything, and then gets back into the ring as the crowd is booing. Corbin went to the top, but McAfee leaped off the top rope and brought him down with a superplex. And boy, was this almost catastrophic. So Corbin's on the top rope, and Pat jumps from the mat to the top rope, but kind of slips a little. He's on his knees, gets to his feet. Man, this was almost bad. There was twice where Pat almost wiped out on the top rope. So it's a superplex, and there we go. With Corbin, uh, Corbin slid to the outside, and with him on the outside, McAfee was to, goes to the top. McAfee, trying to get his balance, he's all kinds of sliding. Michael Cole's like, it's humid here tonight, so the rings are sli- the ropes are slippery. Uh, Pat McAfee eventually hits a springboard swanton. Corbin doesn't really catch him, barely breaks his fall, and Pat, boom, right onto the floor. And so, two are down on the outside. They get back into the ring eventually where the referee gets knocked out for a moment. Corbin collided with him. So, McIntyre punted Corbin right in the balls. Payback. Corbin Corbin punted Pat in the balls last night. Now, here's my question. What's the difference between a Code Red and a freaking Canadian Destroyer? Because I said Pat did a code a Canadian destroyer to win this match. Someone goes, nope, that's a code red. Nope, that's a code red. What's the difference? Is it because you bounce onto the guy and then flip? And a Canadian destroyer is more like you got him in, I don't know. They're basically the same move. But Pat does the code red off the middle ropes. Kind of barely gets it and pins Corbin to pick up the victory. McIntyre did very good. Or not McIntyre, McAfee. Did very well here, but there was a couple of sloppy spots. I'll just say that. Now, remember earlier when I said that we may, or we didn't, they had to cut time from the SmackDown Women's title match. And that was because Miz and Logan Paul went long. Well, I don't know how much time had to get cut, but why didn't they just cut the Drew McIntyre promo? What was this to do? What was this to suffice? Why did we need this? Why did we need this Pat McAfee or this this Drew McIntyre promo at all? This was not needed in the least bit. McIntyre walked down the ring with his sword, sword Angela. He was happy to be here in Nashville. He put over the battles he had with Sheamus and then said he will now move on to Clash at the Castle. Challenge the winner of tonight's main event for the championship. He said, I hope everyone's having a good time here. He looks at a kid and goes, hey, well, what's your name? The kid's all, Colt. Crowd 
slightly tries to chant for Colt. And then McAfee goes, oh, we got a Colt chant going. So the crowd really chants for Colt. Got to be like the greatest thing that ever happened to that kid so far. McAfee said that he would beat the ass of whoever won, whoever wins tonight and will take both belts. He asked the crowd to play more countdown. He rose his sword Angela high in the sky and fireworks went off around Nissan Stadium. Next up, got the WWE Unified Tag Team Championship match. It was the Street Profits challenging the Usos with Jeff Jarrett as a special guest referee. So we hear is a tighten up and the Tennessee Titans cheerleaders come out and they start dancing for the Street Profits come out with them. And boy, was there a really cool Street Profits logo made to look like the um, Titans logo? Really cool, really cool, really cool. Usos, they just came out like normal. So we had Jeff Jarrett come out first and they played some like, Recap video of the Usos and Street Profits and all that. And for about eight minutes into this match, maybe six six to eight minutes, a lot didn't happen. Dawkins eventually took out the Usos with a flip dive, though. He pounced Jay into Ford, who hit a back suplex at one point. The Usos superkicked Dawkins. And Jimmy hit a splash for a two. The Usos argued with Jared at one point before hitting a double splash. But Ford broke up the pin. Jay almost super kicked Jeff Jarrett, but Jarrett caught the leg. Dawkins followed this up with a sit-out powerbomb, and Ford hit a frog splash. But he took too long to cover. They said he may have hurt his ribs in the process, and Jay ended up kicking out. Ford was pissed off, and again, or not again, but Usos did it earlier. Now he yelling at Jeff Jarrett. Usos fought back and took out Ford with double super, uh, super kicks on the outside. They hit Dawkins with a super kick before hitting a 1D to pick up the victory. The Usos retain the titles. So I thought this match was really good, but the finish of the match fell just flat. Like, they're going, they're going, they're going, going. All of a sudden, 1D pin. Like, whoa. Did someone say, go home? Did someone just call for the finish? And they ended it really quick because it, it really did feel like that. Also, Jeff Jarrett being out there really led to nothing. Really, in the end, led to nothing. There was one teased, I'm going to super kick you by accident spot. But other than that, Jarrett being the referee, this could have been Rudy Fugel. Not Rudy Fugel. Dan Angler. This could have been Charles Robinson. This could have been Jessica Carr. And it wouldn't have made any difference. Like, this could have been anybody. They showed Kid Rock in the crowd. He was with some girl that all of a sudden started making out with him. She was drunk. He may have been drunk as well. Like, boy, was this weird. I mean, they probably didn't expect it. And when they start making out, they cut the screen just to black. Because, like, we're like, oh, hey, it's Kid Rock here live at SummerSlam. And he's got some chick with him. And he goes, like, kiss her on the cheek or whatever. She's like, they start making out. And they're like, oh, crap, cut to black. Cut to black. All of a sudden, we hear commotion from commentary, and they're like, wait, you, him, what is he, he's not supposed to be here. Riddle all of a sudden appears. Riddle jumps into the ring, and he's pissed. Security's trying to stop him. Riddle's like, hey, you, shut up. He's all kinds of serious Riddle. He said, you know what, I'm not medically cleared, but I think he said, meta he, he said medically way weird. He's like, I'm not medically cleared. 
but I don't care about that. I want to fight Seth Rollins. Seth, get out here. Seth makes his way out. He's flanked by officials and security and, and referees and stuff trying to stop him. And eventually, he just bolts down the ring, down the ramp, and uh, Riddle meets him halfway. They fight to the ring, and he takes out Riddle. He lays out Riddle with a curb stomp, finally leaves. There you go. Pretty interesting because it was a different kind of segment. It was different than what we would normally get. And this felt like a Triple H NXT segment, which we've seen something similar to this segment with Seth Rollins and Triple H in NXT. I think it was on the World's Collide show. I think that's what it was. It was the World's Collide show where Triple H was in the ring or whatever, and then Seth just randomly appeared. Or I'm not remembering it 100% correctly, but there was a similar segment that Triple H has booked in the past with, well, Seth Rollins. Next up, we had Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. The match literally went four and a half minutes. And this match sucked. And if this was the premise of the match anyways, even with the time getting cut, it still sucked. This match blew big chunks. You've got Ronda Rousey in there who you're baddest woman on the planet, baddest woman on the planet, baddest woman on the planet. And then Liv Morgan, the underdog who had to cash in money in the bank on a hurt Ronda Rousey. So you're basically telling us that if Ronda's at 100%, Liv can't beat her for real. Liv really can't get the upper hand. And what happened in this match? Ronda dominated 95% of this match. And Liv was literally crying throughout this match because she was in pain from Ronda. So like Ronda would put her in a submission... Liv would get her foot on the rope. She'd have to break it up. Ronda talk shit. Do it again. Same thing. Liv got a submission in at one point. Ronda got out of it. She got right out of it. At one point in this match, Liv Morgan gets out of an arm bar and crawls to the corner. Referee then goes over and goes, I need a doctor. And they start going to Liv. Are you okay? Can you, can you continue this? And then she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Let's keep going. And then Ronda just beats her ass again. Ronda's then got her in an armbar. Liv kind of shifts the shoulders to where she can stand up, but she's still in the armbar. She gets Ronda's shoulders down on the mat. One, two, halfway down to the three, she taps. Liv Morgan's tapping out three. Now, if we're looking at this in a real-world scenario, whatever happens first is supposed to be the decision, whether it is a pinfall or whether that is a tap-out. Well, since the pinfall, the three-count, had not finished yet, had not concluded when Liv started tapping, Liv not have won this match. Liv should have lost. And what happened on commentary? Corey Graves and Michael Cole multiple times told us Liv Morgan should not be the champion right now. Ronda Rousey should have been the one walking out with the belt. They told us that multiple times. So how in the hell are we supposed to believe that Liv Morgan is a credible champion when you've got her in the ring getting her ass 
beat by Ronda, crying because she's in pain, and then getting a fluke victory and commentary literally telling us, oh, yeah, she shouldn't win. She shouldn't be the champion. Ronda technically should be the real champion right now. What? What? Like, are you kidding me? To tell us that, oh, yeah, the ref counted three, but Ronda tapped her first, so Ronda should be the champion. Does no favors for Liv. Also, 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 are we going to get another one of these with a special guest referee? Because we learned with the Usos and the Street Profit, when there's a discrepancy on the, the pinfall or the finish, you need a special guest referee. Because there is a huge discrepancy here. Again, refs going one. Refs counting two. Refs counting two. Tap, 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 three. As Corey Graves said on commentary, Liv started tapping when the ref was at about two and a half, 2.5. So if that's the case, we need a special guest referee and another Liv Morgan Ronda Rousey match. But this just sucked. And this was supposed to be the premise of the match. Like, I highly doubt that just because time got cut, they just all of a sudden goes, oh, we'll just let Ronda dominate. No, I'm pretty sure that's what this match is supposed to be the whole time. Ronda dominating. Ronda beating that ass for the most part. Liv getting like two, three moves in, if that. Maybe four, because I know she countered a Piper's Pit into a crucifix. And she countered a submission into a submission of her own at one point. She had the rings of Saturn in briefly. Like, briefly, briefly, she had her rings of Saturn in. But this match just did nothing for Liv Morgan. It made Liv Morgan look like the weakest champion in the company. Like, oh, yeah. For commentary to be telling us, yeah, she shouldn't be the champion. She lost this match. But the ref basically screwed up. That's not good. Now, what are we supposed to think next time we see Liv on SmackDown with the belt? And that's really supposed to be Ronda's belt. Ronda should really be carrying that belt. You know, that's what we're going to think. Because they told us at least eight to ten times each. So, I don't know. I didn't like the way this match went at all. Then after the match, they show Liv sitting up against the ring. And she's like, ah, and then she looks at her belt and goes, <laughs> kisses the belt, laughs again, and then just gets up and walks off. I'm like, what? That was weird. It almost felt like a heel turn. Like a, eh, I got one over on you. <laughs> Very weird. Very weird stuff with this whole thing. But it's like, is Ronda turning heel now? Because Ronda's talking major shit, but again, that's just Ronda being Ronda. But then the weird thing with Liv after the match and the maniacal laugh, and it was just all very weird. You know what else is weird? Bringing in the mayor, Mayor Kane, Mayor Glenn Jacobs. After, well, people in wrestling said about a month ago, they hate this man now. He announced that 400 or 48,449 people are here at SummerSlam. He then did, pyro goes off, and I go, ooh. And you know how many fuck Kane tweets I saw tonight? Fuck Kane, fuck Kane, fuck Kane, fuck Kane. A lot of them. A lot of them. Then, 
we go on to a 22 and a half minute match that boy howdy i'm gonna say right now and you can't convince me otherwise match of the year i don't care what else we get i don't care if we get another kenny omega okada i don't care if we get kenny omega freaking um will osprey i don't care if we get the the young bucks ftr i don't care if we get another ftr briscoe's match you ain't topping what they did in this freaking last man standing match. This is match of the year. Fuck it. Match of the decade. The best last man standing match I've ever seen. One of the best WWE matches in forever. One of the best pro wrestling matches of the year. This match was freaking great. I loved it. Roman makes his way out first. Big fireworks display. Gets in the ring and he says, Nashville! Acknowledge me. They did. They did. Lesnar comes out. Big ass fireworks as well. And Lesnar. Lesnar probably told someone in the back. Well, I mean, probably didn't because of what we saw. Because I didn't think the tractor was going to be so much ingrained in this match. I thought it was just for the entrance. My thing was like, oh, Brock probably saw that that ramp Iowa and goes, I ain't walking that. Fuck that. But no, the, the tractor played a big part in this match. But Brock starts to walk down the aisle and he stops himself, turns around, walks back. And they're like, where's, where's Brock going? All of a sudden, Brock finds a freaking tractor. He puts on his flannel. He puts on his cowboy hat. And he drives the freaking tractor down to the ring. I'm losing my mind right at this point. I'm losing my mind. Brock then parks the tractor straight up against the ring. Doesn't then get in the ring. He climbs the arm of the tractor and stands in the bucket. Stands in the bucket. Mike Rome then tells us his following match is a last man standing match. The only way to win is to incapacitate your opponent long enough for them to not get to their feet after a 10 count. Before he can introduce Brock Lesnar, because he says, the challenger, Brock goes, eh, I got this one, boy. Lesnar then introduces himself as a big-ass country boy, weighing 285 pounds, and here to kick Roman Reigns' ass. Roman then does Roman's entrance, and as soon as he finishes Roman's entrance, Brock jumps off the bucket and Thez presses Roman Reigns in the ring. Brock literally jumped off the bucket into the ring onto Roman. And from that point, right there, I go, oh, this is, this is, this is what we're getting in this match, and this is going to be freaking phenomenal. Bell rings, and the match is underway. Lesnar starts beating the crap out of Roman early on, suplexing him all around ringside. However, Heyman distracted Lesnar at one point, and Reigns put him through a table with a Samoan drop. Lesnar beats the 10 count to get up, and Reigns puts him through another table with a Uranagi. Coming up from this table, Brock's back is bleeding just a little bit, but it's bleeding. Reigns then eventually hits a Superman punch, but Lesnar only fell onto his knees. So Reigns hits another. Reigns hits a spear, but Lesnar gets up at seven. Reigns tries for another spear, but Lesnar sent him to the outside. Lesnar then slammed Reigns onto the broken half of the table, which actually looked pretty painful. 
Lesnar and jumps back into the tractor. And we're like, whoa, what the hell's going on? And my first thought was, Rock Foley, uh, forklift spot. Let's do it. Let's do it. Somebody do it. What I thought we could have saw was Brock in the tractor and pin Roman down. Not for the full 10, but Roman either get out on his own somehow or the Usos pull him from under the, the bucket. I thought that would have been a cool spot to see with them using the bucket to pin down Roman. It, again, Roman had to win, so it wouldn't have kept him down for 10, but it would have been a cool spot. Brock then lowers the bucket and proceeds to push the ring with the tractor. Colvin yells, watch out, Corey, it's coming towards us. Corey Graves jumps up from commentary and goes, I'm in Kid Rock's lap, Cole. Then, oh my God. Actually, no, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. I'm ahead of myself. I apologize. I'm ahead of myself. So first, he backs up the tractor, Brock that is, lowers the bucket a little bit, throws Roman in the bucket, then takes the tractor back up against the ring, lowers the bucket, dumps Roman in the ring. Then he pushes the ring with the tractor. Then he backs the tractor up again, lowers the bucket a little more, and rams it under the ring, lifts the bucket, and lifts up the ring. And I go, oh my God. And Roman tumbles out of the ring. Or as Keith Lee would say, oh my God. This was nuts. And I feel bad for people sitting ringside here, especially on the side where you can't see nothing because, uh, well, uh, the ring's now propped up like this, like, like this. And if you're sitting on this side looking, you don't see shit. Because everything from this point on takes place on the opposite corner of the ring from where it's lifted up on the outside. Lesnar follows this up as Roman gets to his feet with three straight German suplexes. Lesnar, or Roman gets up at eight. Lesnar hits an F5, and Reigns beats the 10 count again. Reigns reverses an F5 attempt to a guillotine, but Lesnar countered it to a guillotine of his own. Actually, I think I, I'm wrong here. I think I skipped the whole spot. Yes, I did skip a whole part. So before he lifts the ring, they're fighting in the ring. And that's when they get the guillotine and the ref thinks that Roman's passed out. And so he's like, oh, you're down, you're down. So he's like, tells Brock, get off of him, account for 10. Roman gets to his feet. Then he flips the ring, basically. The Usos eventually come out and they attack Lesnar with uh, super kicks and whatnot. Roman is beat to hell. And Heyman literally goes, stop. Brock, stop. You're going to kill him. Just take the belts. They're yours. Leave him alone. He's my tribal chief. I don't want you to hurt him anymore. And Brock starts laughing. Grabs Heyman and F5s him through the announce table. All things considered, Decent bump from, from Heyman. He doesn't do a full F5 like that. He kind of just rolls him over off of his shoulders. But hard enough for him to go through the table. With that distraction, that allows Reigns to jump up and spear Lesnar. They kind of get up 
by nine and theory's music hits we hear a town down and theory runs down to the ring theory then clobbers roman over the head with a briefcase tells the referee i'm cashing in i'm cashing in before the referee can make it official though lesnar gives him an f5 theory out cash in not official they kept trying to say, this is very reminiscent to Seth Rollins when he cashed in in a Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match. Will this match now become a triple threat? Didn't need to be. The Usos then... <coughs> Excuse me. The Usos then used this distraction to drop Lesnar with some super kicks, but Lesnar got up in nine. And I loved the way Brock was doing this. So, probably won't be able to see it, but Brock's his feet. And Brock just doesn't stand up. Brock is on one knee. And he lifts his other leg like this. And then he slips the other leg out. So he's like got a big ass base under him. I like the way Brock was doing this. It wasn't just like, oh, I jumped up. No, he got up, but then he like spread his legs to put a base under him. So he knew he was sturdy to not fall back down. So Reigns grabs the briefcase after a spear or a couple spears actually to Brock that don't keep him down. And he hit Theory at one point before hammering Lesnar multiple times. He goes, count it. Just count it. And he counts it, and Brock gets up at nine. Hits him with another spear. No, he hits him with the belt at this point. And Michael Cole's yelling at the referee. Just count faster. Just get this over with. Somebody's going to get hurt. He's yelling at the ref. Just, just count faster. Count faster. A roaming, or Brock gets up at nine. Reigns then hits Lesnar with the belt again for the Usos. Proceed to help Roman bury Lesnar under pieces of the table, the steel steps, and so forth. Reigns would then stand atop of the pile, and Lesnar couldn't move. The ref finally gets to 10, and Roman Reigns retains the undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. Reigns goes to walk off. Usos grab Paul Heyman and help him to his feet as they walk off with their tribal chief. As they get up to, uh, a little ways up the ramp, they all hugged. There we go. The show goes off the air with one of the greatest, if not the greatest, last man standing match you'll ever see. One of the greatest WWE matches we've seen in forever. And just an overall really, really, really good show. This show was great. I loved it. I Loved SummerSlam. But with that, guys, that's everything. That's it. That's going to wrap up our SummerSlam recap. Remember, we're not done yet because we got text messages. We got polls. And if you guys want to call in, you can do so as well. 510-906-1341. Again, that's 510-906-1341 to let me know what you thought of tonight's SummerSlam. As far as the polls do go, switch poll. 86% liked the show. 14% thought it was just all right. As far as the Twitter poll does go, pulling that up right here. 88% liked the show. 6% thought it was just all right. And 6% did not like SummerSlam. One comment here says, probably the best SummerSlam in WWE history. I mean, I wouldn't argue it. I wouldn't argue it. And finally, the YouTube community poll... Almost a thousand votes in total. 83% liked tonight's SmackDown. 13% thought it was just all right. And 4% not like SmackDown. Let's read some of the comments on here. Or not SmackDown, SummerSlam. 
said SummerSlam was awesome. Good thing the main event wasn't ruined by Vince since he's retired and we got the game taking over. Well, we don't know who booked this match. We don't know who came up with all these spots. For all we know, it could have been Heyman. It's a great show. Thank you, Triple H, for Dakota Kai and EO. For Dakota and EO, a fantastic main event. Versus this pay-per-view SummerSlam is your... Uh, what? Okay, never mind. I can't read that. That's kind of... Yep, not English. Um, this person says 9 out of 10. I got an 8.5 out of 10. This person says, I didn't watch. Then why comment if you didn't freaking watch? Got a couple text messages here. Doesn't look like we're going to get any calls. Or says, now that it's official, Roman versus Drew at Clash of the Castle, do you think Drew will win the titles? Also, really enjoy EO Shirai, EO Sky, and Dakota Kai debuting officially. So, I don't think Roman drops the belts to Drew. I just, I don't. I don't. Person here says, now that the Triple H era is in effect, are there any indie stars or people from places like Impact you want in WWE? Well, I mean, there's really just a lot of people they can bring back that I think they should bring back. Bring back Adam Shear, Braun Strowman. Bring back freaking um, um, Nixon Newell, Tegan Knox. Bring back Johnny Gargano. He ain't doing nothing. Bring back Candice LeRae. Yes, you didn't release them. They left on their own volition, but bring them back. Resign them. Get them back. There's a number of people that they can bring back that they've released. I mean, hell, hell. Bring back Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green. Give me Zack Ryder and Chelsea Green in WWE. Um, it says, do you think Drew will beat Roman? I don't think so. Do you? Also, will the Profits break up soon on Monday? I don't see the Street Profits breaking up. And I don't think, like as I already said, I don't think Drew is beating Roman. But with that, guys, that is going to wrap everything up here. <clears throat> I want to say thank you for joining me if you're watching live. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited. Also, I want to thank you if you're watching later, whether that's on YouTube.com or listening on podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher. Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, and so much more. Jimmy Too Sweet, no. From what I was told, Candice's contract did expire. Technically, her contract. So Candace took time off to have the baby. If that was an injury and not a pregnancy, her contract would have had time added to it. She would still be with the company. But because it was for a pregnancy, they don't add time on for pregnancies. So... Good to go. Contract expired in the spring. She's good to go. With that, guys, we're also good to go as well. We talked SummerSlam. I loved the show. Seems like most of you loved the show as well. We will be back live tomorrow night for Ric Flair's last match. Yep, we're doing it. We're talking Ric Flair's last match. We're recapping that entire card tomorrow. So we get more talking wrestling this weekend. With that, guys, have a great rest of your Saturday night. Have a great rest of your weekend. I'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.